I need to hide first. I'm gonna take a moment, let me cover myself in soap so nobody can see me. Sounds like bullying. Kind of. Hearing these stories absolutely changed my life. No, but for real, and I think in a lot of cases, like, legitimate concerns that people have where they're actually like, I am here in treatment because I want to recover. Mm -hmm. I'm desperately trying. Welcome back to Eating Disorders Off Topic. I am Adam Pope with Joy Nallenberg. Hello, Joy. Hello. And we are back for episode 10 in a new year. And we are happy to be here. So, this new year, we want to talk about eating disorders and pop culture. Um... Movies, TV, things like that. How important it is to kind of uh, just not even knowledgeable, just but like be conscious of what's out there and what they're doing and how it's represented. Because I think a lot of that for advocates is what we have to push back against. Mm -hmm. and, and for uh, a lot of people struggling, it's how they measure whether or not they have a problem based on how it's portrayed in the media, but it's usually wrong. Yes. Yeah. So it would be hard to do this without acknowledging also like the fat bias of the media and what happens there. And when Joe and I were talking about this like online, I was like, oh, that kind of reminds me of uh, these, the two movies in like the early 2000s where like it was like a common trope to take like an actor, actress and put them in like this like sumo suit or fat suit or whatever they do and then that would be like the movie they would just make like a whole joke of it and it was just obviously does not age well it probably it wasn't good at the time but like that's like what was out there and like millions of dollar films like went through with this idea and they still do it just like a lot more subtly like you'll still see like these tropes in like tv and movies and it's just incredibly damaging to people in higher weight bodies just to use them, um, to use your body, their body and their experience as a punchline. It's so dis disheartening. Or the, or the new trend of media trying to give representation to larger body people in a way that centers the character as a large person. Instead of just, you know, having a large person like going about their day, they're like, here is a large person to be our main character and their main qualities are that they are large, you know. And who decides that she's too fat? So um, she decides to stop eating, and then, like, over the course of, like, I don't know, a month or something. Does she have a love interest? Usually. Sometimes it's, you know, there's no time for a love interest because, you know, there's the pressure of the sport. Her love in her life is the sport. Exactly. And of course, you know, it takes, like, a month before she gets completely emaciated because that's, you know, how eating is. Oh, works. that's right. It's so, it's like, boom, it's fast. Yeah, it's fast. You know, and then, um, you know, people people get concerned, but she lies about it. Without fail, there's the big, you know, gymnastics meet or the big, you know, figure skating competition or whatever. And she passes out in the middle because I guess that's just what you do when you're eating disorder. And my favorite part is that after passing out in the middle of the meet, like you wake up in treatment. Like there's a bed open, you have oh. insurance coverage, you know. Okay, I think I know what you're talking about. So... I'm, I'm in a meet, like, I'm, like, at work doing my thing, and then I'm like, oh, I'm exhausted, and I throw my hand in my hair, and I fall back, and then fade to black, and then my eyes open up, there's, like, some beeping, some stuff, like, I'm hooked up to some things, and then, so, so I'm hooked up, I'm hooked up to some things, and then, so then I start, like, pulling some, like, wires out of me, and, like, pulling some IVs out, and then I start getting out of bed and like walking around and looking for nurses and they're like, you need to cover up because we can see things. Well, and that's usually what happens to me when I woke up in the hospital in the past and they don't like it. Oh. You're just supposed to sit there and leave your IVs in and leave like your heart monitor on. But I was like a really active person. <laughs> yeah, no, I get exactly what you say because you're just like, oh, you wake up and like everything's taken care of. There's not like this weird period of like, where you're like something's like something's wrong, like you fall, you pass out, or something, 
and then you're like, okay, time to get into treatment. Let's start this whole process. <laughs> yeah. Well, and then, of course, you know, to finish the movie, um, you know, they show, like, a couple things in treatment where, you know, at first they fight it, and then all of a sudden they're like, no, it's okay, I'm going to try. And then, you know, there's some kind of, usually that's when the love interest comes in, you know, or something, and then everything's all warm, fuzzy, and then, I don't know, they quit gymnastics or something, and that's the movie. How... How similar is that to your life? <laughs> not even close. Not even close? No. It's not no. not similar at all. No. I couldn't get treatment when I wanted it. Like, that, that wasn't a thing. The, I think the only thing... I mean, not even, like, the hospitalizations, because, like, you just, like, you remember things. And I, I understand, like, they want to be, like, dramatic and, like, go through, like, stuff and be like, oh, that's the boring part. But, like, that's the part that you... Uh. That's the part where stuff happens. Yeah. Yeah. And they don't get anything. And that's such a crucial part, too, because that's a part where a lot of people, like, make the choice to be, like, do I want to get better? Like, do I want to go through with this? Or do I just want to, like, all right, fine, I'll go into treatment for spite. Right. I mean, if you want to recover for spite, whatever, do, do it you. Works. It works if you want to. Yeah. Um, but... Yeah, I feel like it's such that's such a crucial moment, especially dealing with insurance companies and then like there's the waiting game yeah. of knowing something's wrong with you and knowing you want to get help or you're going to go to treatment and being like, all right, the bed's going to open up in a couple weeks or a couple months and you're just like, what am I going to do until then? Exactly. That's a whole other movie. Yeah, and there's just so much that, you know, when I, when I would see these movies as a teenager and stuff, like, it was very romanticized. I was like, wow, you mean I can just, you know, starve myself for a month and everybody will pay attention to me, you know? <sighs> and, and it seemed great. It seems like everybody's worried about me, everybody's going to take care of me, I can just lay back and have everybody... Ta like, I don't... Like, I kind of wanted to, like, disappear in high school. Because you talk a little bit about, like, wanting people to worry about you. And, oh. like, that being wanting to be, like... Yeah. Um, I mean, there's, there's of course, many different types of eating disorders, but one, one like, cluster of eating disorders that, that are style of eating disorders is, like, the people who feel like they are not heard and they can't speak up and their needs aren't met. And they kind of get this impression that, well, if I'm sick, people will care about me. Like, I can't use my words to speak up for stuff, but if, you know, if I'm really, really struggling, people will have to see that I need something. And then they'll they'll ask me what's wrong, you know. And it kind of becomes like a little bit like performative. Okay. You know, as as a way of like using your body to physically like portray this image of I'm not okay because they don't feel like they can use their words. But you're still not okay though. Oh, of course not. <laughs> yes. But but it's it's a way around like it, it's a lot of times people that grew up in really invalidating environments where they learn that like speaking up is not allowed. So it's a way to just like get that like validation and attention. It, it's a way to kind of signal that you're not okay when you feel like you can't use your words to do that. Oh, that's so terrible. Yeah. Ouch. Yeah. And that, but that's also kind of a, a tricky thing because that only, that method only works as long as you're physically sick. Then there's the whole thing of recovery where you have to, you know, start using your words. Which is not always easy and it takes a long time. So then there's this whole like, if I let go of my eating disorder, I lose my... My voice. Communicate. Yeah. Oh. You know? And then that's kind of exaggerated too by a lot of misunderstandings from, you know, people who think that how sick you are is tied to how thin you are. Yeah. Which is not the case. Yeah, um, yeah. So then you end up, um, you know, restoring weight or whatever, and then people are like, oh, you're healed. Right. That's great. Now you're healed. Worry about you anymore. You're, great. you're just like, I'm doing so much work inside my head, and it's really busy, and I work on it every month. Yeah. Well, and it also sets up, I think, part of the romantic sensation while well, I didn't say that right but you know what I mean um, of eating disorders in the media you know they show this message of all you have to do is like star for a month and you're good and people will pay attention to you in reality a lot of people can have really really severe eating disorders and 
they're not emaciated. They're not gonna be. That, that's not how eating disorders work. And so then they end up sort of being like, maybe I'm not eating disordered enough, or you know, I'm not doing it. Right yeah, there's so right. much of that. Um, just being, being in treatment and a part of the eating disorder community, you come across that saying, I don't think I should go into treatment or it's not time to go into treatment because I don't look like, mm -hmm. I'm not thin enough for treatment. Yeah. I don't look like that girl on the Lifetime movie. Right. The one who kept her vomit in jars in her closet. That's the only one I remember. And it was after school. It was probably, it was after like whatever show was after school. And then every now and then they'd be like, oh, instead of your regularly scheduled program, we're having like the special about drug and driving. And this one was eating disorders. And it was like this girl who was like, threw up and kept these jars like in her closet. And I was like, oh, so that's, that is an eating disorder. But then, then like, you know, like time goes on and you're like, okay, that's not really representative of, of all of them. Yeah. And then, so you go on a little bit, you're like, oh, watching girl interrupt. And I'm like, okay, so she just keeps like a bunch of old chickens underneath her bed and girl interrupted and Brittany Murphy does. I'm like, oh, so that's, that's also an eating disorder. Right. And I'm like, why don't I just expand it to just everything? Right. Like, why does it have to be whatever is like represented? And then I was like, okay, so it could be most things could be disordered eating. It just kind of depends on, on the person and how they feel and kind of what's going on, what's going on with them. Exactly. I just remember that Brittany Murphy one. Oh, yeah. And girl interrupted when she was like eating all the chicken bones and stuff. And I was like, what are you doing? Yep. That's crazy. That was another really popular one. Yeah. And I, and I think that actually, I mean, there are people who will make the case and say that at least people are talking about eating disorders. But I think to portray them incorrectly actually does more harm than good. Yeah, that's tough. I think outside with you, yeah, I'd rather it not be talked about than be talked about incorrectly. incorrectly. Yeah. Because then you have to correct that information all the time. Like you're going out and speaking and you're doing like public engagements and stuff. And you're like, it's not this. So like you have to like first engage mm -hmm. those like misconceptions of eating disorders. So it would be better if they're not going to do it correct. Just don't do it at all. Right. And especially I know when I was a, a child or a teenager, when people would come to my school and talk about eating disorders and talk about how they're so you know, dangerous and you'll end up in the hospital. And like, I remember listening to this and being like, this sounds like a great way to get attention. <laughs> oh no. You know, which is, it's not, it's not a good idea to give to kids if they don't already have it. There's right. There's, there's a line where you don't want to talk to them about eating disorders, mm -hmm. but then you want to wait till they get some information. And then you like, you don't want to introduce eating right. disorders to kids because then they are going to be curious about it. So you want to get in at like just kind of when they're starting to learn about it through peers mm -hmm. and then introduce like correct information. Yeah. Right. And, and to discuss the, the bigger issues around eating disorders, like a lot of people who have eating disorders do so because they're really struggling in like mental health, you know, and to just be like, you shouldn't do that or you will die. Like, kind of yeah ignores all, let's, all of the struggles that let's address some happen. trauma instead yeah exactly that's such a yes that makes sense to me yeah that's like the larger systemic issue here exactly is addressing those issues that cause eating disorders right because otherwise it's like if, if you're like don't do this or you will die but you haven't addressed the root cause then they're like well what else can i do instead what other substance or whatever like behavior or, you know, how else am I going to self-medicate? Yeah, what else could you do to... Well, let's go through some things here. I... So, when I stopped drinking, I started walking more, like, around town. And I started playing video games more often. Those two main things were, like, a distraction. Mm -hmm. I started reading maybe a little bit more. Like, things that just, like, took up my time other than like sitting there and thinking about recovery all the time and thinking about when my next meal was. Right. And you probably started talking. Yeah, I was, I must've been exhaustive to my friends. <laughs> Cause I remember after treatment, they'd be like, okay, I'll make like a small list of like people you could call if you're having a tough time. And I'm, I'm like, all right, they're gonna <laughs> break out the Rolodex. 
so yeah, so that that was part of it too, and connecting, you know, connecting with friends who I'd probably pushed away in the previous four or five years because I was isolating and not going out and everything. So it was kind of nice to reconnect with some people who I'd been keeping at arm's length because I just wanted to be not eating and hanging out with myself and my no food. So that was a yeah, that was that was a big step for me finding something other than taking that time. And like you said, like using a different voice. Because a lot of times an eating disorder can be that voice you use to express yourself. So if we were going to make our own movie and have it be accurate. Oh, okay. Uh, I don't... Um... Well, first of all, I would start with just an average person. <laughs> an Olympic athlete. I mean, of course, you know, many of them have eating disorders. It's fine. But that's not, uh -huh. like, representative of the majority. Okay. And then it would be slow, right? Yeah. They and would lose weight slowly over time. Exactly. And, and in reality, a lot of people would have people around them saying, oh, you're fine. You're just dieting. It looks great. Oh, yeah. You'd get people being like, oh, you look great. What kind of diet are you on? And Oh, That's I remember secret. those days. Oh, yeah. Like, it, like it kind of felt good. Yeah. Like, I can't lie, like, it felt good to get, like, those compliments. Yeah, like, even when people knew I had an eating disorder, and I was, like, benched off my cheer team, and, like, all this, like, I wasn't, I was not well, those same people who knew this would still ask me for diet advice at the time. And that, I will never cease to be amazed. My brain is hurting. I know, right? But that's, I mean, you know, that's fat phobia in our culture is like, how do you do it? You know? Yeah. Um, which, I don't know. I have a mental illness. I know. I'm like, have you <laughs> tried self-hatred? I don't know. It's the thing that works. I don't know. Yeah. Let me introduce yeah. you to my mom. <laughs> oh. <laughs> okay. So we also don't want to be too triggering in how we're no. talking here. Uh, we're being slightly sarcastic just because, you know, humor is mm -hmm. necessary for survival sometimes. But it is the reality that... A lot of people will struggle for a long time and people won't recognize it as an issue or they'll possibly even congratulate them on their weight loss, which is a major problem, but it absolutely yeah. happens. You'll, and then you'll get like the reactions from people will either be some combination of, oh, you're fine, or tell me how to diet, or you're going to die and you need to do what I say, and then food police, you know, like... There's very few people who have the innate ability to know that you just need to talk to people mm, mm -hmm. and like ask how they're doing and get yeah. them to talk. Very few people just want to be like, what's, what's going on? Let's just sit for a while Yeah. and talk. Yeah. Like tell me what's going on. What do you need? Um, and that's, that's also not helped very much by a lot of the like parent advocacy groups these days who are all like, you know, take control and feed them. You Let's know. come up with a plan. Let's come up with a plan. When really, as a kid, like, you just wanted to be heard. Exactly. Like, your voice was muffled, so you're just like, uh, how do I, how do I communicate? Yeah. And then you realize something's wrong in our movies, so then you need to go into treatment. Mm-hmm. So then, that's, so this is the end of season one. There you go, yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm, I moved it into a series, because there's a lot to happen. <laughs> yeah. In a real-life story, like, that's when stuff happens. You know what I mean? Like, that's when the real work happens. Mm -hmm. And of course, you know, in a movie, that's when, you know, there's this like five minute scene of treatment and all of a sudden you're better. Oh. That doesn't happen. And I, I think, um, you know, having talked to a lot of people over a lot of years, people with eating disorders, they, they have internalized this message that like you go into treatment and they fix you and it's, and you're better and you're supposed to feel mm -hmm. good. And, and then they feel like they're doing something wrong. Yeah. Cause you've got, You've got a spa and cooking classes and some exercise classes sometimes. Yeah, Definitely some yoga and treatment. There's yeah. coloring. Oh, I knitting. miss coloring just for fun. Knitting, too. That's yeah. where I learned to knit. You're bringing back all these good fuzzy memories. <laughs> yeah. But also, that's where I went right after my dad died. So I did a lot of grief work. And I did a lot of crying in my therapist's office to address trauma that I'd had when I was a teen and kind of going through reconnecting with my body mm -hmm. and then going on to color. And then color. Because you need that release. You have to 
survive. Yeah, you've got to survive, yeah. Yeah. Well, and I think a lot of treatment centers, too, don't necessarily help the cause when they kind of, you know, show happy, smiling faces of everybody in their treatment program. And, you know, of course you got to market yourself or whatever, but um, treatment is not pretty, you know? And, and I think that it's important to let people know that if they're in treatment and they're struggling and they're feeling like, I can't do this and I keep falling on my face and I don't know what's going on and my emotions are at an all-time high and I can't control them, like, mm -hmm. honestly, you're on the right track. Yeah. It can, it can feel like a bait-and-switch. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Especially if what you see is that, you know, you go in... You're just going to spend three months there, whatever, a couple months, follow and then the follow the structure, and then you get out. Like, if you yeah. see their plan and be like, all right, I'll be out in a few months. Mm -hmm. And then when you're in there, it, it feels like a lot longer, mm -hmm. and it feels like you're working every day, and it's difficult to see progress. Mm -hmm. And slowly... And your emotions are not stable. Yeah, your emotions are not stable, and they probably put you on some medicine or something. Yeah. And, but, it, I mean, it helps to recognize the things that you can get back. I mean, like, yeah, I, I wish in my movie there's going to be a wonderful scene where patients congratulate each other on pooping again. <laughs> For real, though. Yeah. Seriously. Now, that's, that's what I, <laughs> I wish, like, you know, the high school, you know, things about eating disorders where someone comes and talks to your class. Yeah. Honestly, like, just... Tell them they will never poop normally again. <laughs> I mean, that might have, yeah. that might have made me like think twice more than anything, you know. Cause, it, I don't know. Yeah, that's a big moment. It is a big moment in treatment. People don't talk about it. No, they don't. And I think I've said this before, but the other the other big moment is when you begin menstruating again. Yeah, is the other big moment for a lot of people in treatment because that's something that stops for a lot of people. It does. So, like in my movie, those would be like two main things. I'll add one more. You eat a meal and you feel satisfied, and you know you feel satisfied, and you're done. Ah. <sighs> yeah. Nice deep breath after like that, that one. That one took a while for me. That was maybe like four or five, six months before, like I ate a meal and I was like, wait, I know I'm done. Because otherwise it was always like, I mean, you could have told me like I had eaten way too much that day or I needed to eat like mm -hmm. five times more and I wouldn't have known the difference because I didn't have that internal. Yeah, your cues and everything is yeah. just all off. It's broken. Yeah, I wish there would be more in the movies and TV, more kind of congratulations of the smaller things. Mm -hmm. That would, I think that would be like super beneficial. And then... At the end, it just kind of, there's just more work to be done. Yeah. Like you, like the person like gets out of treatment and then, or maybe like it ends with the person going to like IOP or something. Mm-hmm. And then you or like outpatient. issues. And yeah, stuff. that's it. Yeah, it just, and it doesn't end, you know, it ends with just like the person going to like partial hospitalization. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, all right, we're out of this mean, part. Yeah. I guess that's how it ends. Because, I mean, the statistics show that it takes about seven years of treatment for people to truly, like, like on average. I mean, wow. there's, there's a broad range, but yeah. on average, about seven years for people to actually move from like actively eating disorder to like mostly remission. Being comfortable. Yeah. If everything goes as planned. If everything goes <laughs> as planned. And there, of course, there's a, a wide, I mean, there's, yeah. But that's the oh. average. Well, and, and there's also... Um, COVID's going to mess that up. Oh, yeah. I mean, probably. Yeah. I do wonder. That has to be very difficult right now. Like... Because, like, I wouldn't be hard on yourself if, like, you're struggling mm -hmm. through COVID. Yeah. Because, like, this isn't normal. Yeah. Like, like, I feel food insecure sometimes. I definitely did at the beginning when you're just like, how often should I go to the grocery Like my normal like grocery store routine was like interrupted mm -hmm. and I'm somebody who enjoys a routine. So I'm like, okay, like what should I, all right, I'm just gonna shop, yeah. you know, like every other week or something or right. like once a month I'll order like more order food yeah. and then make changes that way. So like it's even been like interrupted like for me. Mm -hmm. So I could understand if like you're in that spot or you're just like, this is tough, how do I manage this from here? Yeah, and when you can't do in-person treatment, 
you know, how, do, how does that look different when you don't have someone, you know, actually standing next to you and encouraging you? Mm -hmm. like, yes, they're through, you know, telehealth or whatever, but it's not, it's not quite the same. Yeah it's, yeah, it's different having somebody sit with you and being in group. Yeah. And kind of, yeah, I can't imagine what, what it would be like doing, like, group therapy on Zoom. I would get yeah. so zoomed out. Yeah. Well, we do, I mean, like, our support groups at the Joy Project, we yeah. moved to vir virtual for now. Uh -huh. um, and it is a very different vibe. I mean, there's pros and cons, though. It, it's really interesting. It's no commute. You don't have to commute. It's nice. Um, I think some people actually are more likely to attend if they don't have to, like, drive somewhere. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because they can just, like, log on. Um, but then um, we actually had one group meeting where... Um, People were talking about how difficult it is on Zoom that you stare at your face the whole time. You oh, know, like you're you're on screen. And, oh, um, oh, yeah. Yeah, it was interesting. We kind of leaned into that a little bit in our conversations, where we actually went around the well, I say went around the room, but whichever, and everybody who wanted to um, shared exactly like how they were judging themselves on screen and like all of the things that they were thinking about their face or whatever, mm -hmm. and it was just. It was crazy just how detailed people got and how, like, the judgments were so um, harsh, too. But it was also kind of cathartic because, like, looking around at everybody and knowing that everybody's just fine and, like, hearing, like, how harsh their judgments are, it kind of forced everybody to kind of ask themselves if maybe they're being a little harsh, too. Yeah. About themselves. I could get that. And things I don't even notice are difficult for people. Yeah. And, uh, well, going back to um, talking about treatment and the trajectory of treatment, it's interesting. Um, I always like to kind of compare and, and contrast sometimes, like, eating disorders and substance use. Because when people go to treatment for substance use, there's this detox period, you know, where it's like you, mm -hmm. get, you get all the drugs out of your system. And it's kind of known that when the drugs are out of your system, like, that's when the real work starts. You know, like, that's when you go to your, like, 28-day program. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, but for some reason, with eating disorders, like, traditionally, there's been this thing of, like, okay, so we, we feed you, and then you're good. You know? That's it, yeah. Yeah. When I really, guess that's what I needed. Yeah. But really, it's, like, that's the point where we've taken away your coping mechanism We've restored your emotional functioning. Everything's flooding back to you. You don't yep. have, you can't hide behind whatever body. It just feels like a raw nerve. Yeah. And then they're like, well, insurance is like, well, you're good now. You know, good <laughs> I luck. see you're good now. You, know? and, I you mean, can no, leave. Thank you. Yeah. No surprise that that's a point where a lot of people relapse because it's actually like the toughest point, but it's when the support usually gets dropped. Oh. That's awful. Yeah. Yeah, that was always, like I said, my my treatment was a pretty well a breeze, and I was fully insured the whole time. Um, but definitely sympathize with the people who were in treatment with me who weren't sure if they were there for another week. or I mean, they knew they needed to be there for a couple months, but I felt like they would do work on themselves and they would get going and um, be doing well. And then they'd be like, oh, I might be going out this week. Or, oh, I might have to leave for a couple weeks and then come back or something. Mm -hmm. It just feels like such a huge back step. It's a when, you're, when you're trying to do your hardest, and like it feels like you're doing the work and you just need a little bit of help, mm -hmm. just staying in place, just like, keep me here, I want to do this. Yeah. I want to get better, and then being like, no, sorry. Like, I don't know, we checked your yeah. BMI chart, so. We <laughs> Therefore. You're doing okay. You don't need help with this. Exactly. And I mean, I think maybe that's one of the primary things that needs to happen in the media is just disconnecting eating disorders from BMI, like, mm -hmm. at all. Um. Because, it, I mean, it's a mental illness. And it's not that there aren't medical complications. It's that those are medical complications. But the mental illness, it doesn't matter what we do. Yeah. I think that's what's frustrating, too, is because 
there's yeah there's always this they always need to like wrap it up with a bow mm-hmm. and that's frustrating because as somebody who's going through it like you're waiting for that moment like you're waiting for that like this is what i'm told it is this is like the expect this is the expectation where is my bow moment yeah when which, when which is like this going to happen yeah yeah when am, and I think a lot of people in recovery struggle with this, is when am I recovered? Right. When do I, when do I get there? Where's the top of my mountain? Exactly. You know? Yeah. I don't, I don't know where it is, you know? If, you know, you're listening to this, I get, I get asked that. When did you think, you know, when you know you're there? Mm-hmm. And it- look back and say, that might have been it there maybe a couple of years ago. Yeah. But it's, I don't know, I just feel like it's a slow... Is it weird to say that I almost feel like in my own case, I was recovered when I got to the point where I didn't care to label myself as recovered? That's a really weird way to say that. No, that makes um, sense. Yeah, because like with, with eating disorder stuff, like. I mean, that's, like, your primary focus in life. That's, like, your biggest thing. And, like, throughout recovery, I gradually replaced that with, like, regular life stuff. You know? Yes. Like me as a yep, whole yep, person. Yep. And by mm-hmm. the time, like, I was a whole real person living my daily life, like, I didn't, I didn't need to even say, like, look, I recovered. Because I was like, I have a life. Like, yeah, I've got other stuff going on right now. Yeah. Like, that's, I don't care about that. I mean, I did care, but you know what I mean. Yeah, that that makes absolute sense to me too, because you're focused on something else, and something else is that that point in your life is taking over, and yeah. you're like, I've got other stuff going on. Yeah. Like this isn't. Which I, is maybe maybe how to describe it is, I got to a place where I was living totally taking up my own skin, and I felt whole, and that was the win. I like that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I think anyone can get there. Yeah. Which is hard when a lot of people, um, especially people with eating disorders, you know, we all want like a plan. We want to do the plan. (laughs) We don't want to make any mistakes along the way. And then, you know, each individual person will say, well, what, what do I need to get from point A to point B for my recovery? But everybody is so unique. And so how do you answer that question? You're like, you did it. How can I, how can I do it the way that you did it? Yeah. What's your plan for me? Exactly. And honestly, I think if I had to answer that question, I would say that for a lot of, a lot of my life, like I, I was doing things because I felt like that was what was expected of me. And I was like suppressing parts of myself that I didn't think were like socially acceptable. Um, but then I always had this like nagging, you know, stuff in the back of my mind, like, oh, you should, you know, leave this boyfriend, or you should, you know, speak up more, or whatever, mm-hmm. but it was that voice that was just really inconvenient, you know? I was like, just, just like, oh, I don't want to do that. Like, please stop trying to tell me this, because it's inconvenient, I'm trying to, like, please these other people, you know what okay. I mean? Um, and so a big part of my recovery was actually, like, all of those inconvenient little voices, like, actually giving them space. Huh. And, and leaning in. And then it turns out, like, they were there for a reason. Because that was your character. That was your personality. Yeah, like that, that was who was, you were. That was me. Yeah. You know? And, it, I mean, it, it kind of, you know, parallels, too. Like, if, if people, you know, grow up, like, not wanting to be, you know, GLBT or whatever, but they have this little nagging voice in the back of their head that's like, this is who you are, though. You know, and you, you can suppress it forever and ever and ever, but mm-hmm. you, you won't feel whole until, like, you just accept that that's that, you. I get that feeling. Not, I mean, that feels like <clears throat> what I felt like leaving religion, too, and, like, trying so hard to, like, do something and be the right person and do the right things and follow the right uh, plans and commandments and, like, the first time I really felt like, like free and relaxed is when I was like, ah, I don't believe in any of this. I'm out. Yeah. 
And then like, I was just like, this is so relaxing. I enjoy this so much. This is wonderful. Yeah. Like that feeling, you're just like. Like you're following your internal compass. Yeah, yeah, like you're following my, yeah, following my internal compass. And like, I could like make my own decisions about things. Like, that was an incredibly freeing experience. Mm -hmm. So, I, yeah, I totally get that. And I think that was, like, a big part of my recovery, too. It was just, like, who am I? What do I want to do? Yeah. Am I following somebody else's direction or am I following my own direction? Exactly. It's just, like, following my own direction. I think that's where things kind of really took off for my recovery, too. Or just, like, my own personal development because that's a large part of it. Exactly. And also the, the step of... Um, People with eating disorders are notorious for putting others first, you know, and caretaking others. And being able to get to that point where you can recognize that somebody has a need and you have a different need. And they might conflict with each other mm -hmm. and that maybe neither of you is wrong in certain <laughs> situations. But that it's your responsibility to choose yourself because they're going to choose themselves. And like, yeah. somebody has to defend you. So being willing to take up space is actually an act of bravery when Absolutely. you've been conditioned not to. I believe so. And yeah. like, for me, like eating disorder was like wanting to be like smaller and take up less space. Mm -hmm. Like just as a person. Exactly. So taking up more space is, is challenging. It is. You know? And a lot of people struggle in recovery too, where they do really, really well when they're in a treatment program and someone is telling them what to do. Mm -hmm. And they're like, I can do this. I can do this. You gave me permission to eat today. <laughs> so I'm going to follow along. They're a people pleaser. Exactly. <laughs> and then as that. soon as they leave treatment and no one's telling them to eat today, they don't know how. And that is a, I mean, there's, don't get me wrong, like being able to eat like, at all is still a win yeah um it just isn't the full race you know like you have to be able to tell yourself that it's okay to eat yeah i can definitely i was good at worksheets oh yeah i think i did a pretty good job with worksheets to get a lot of gold stars yeah to a certain extent <laughs> and then after a while it was just kind of like oh this feels boring what should change or what needs to change? What would be a good, like you said, getting rid of um, representations of common eating disorder? Tropes. Tropes. <laughs> yeah. Falsehoods and... Yeah. I think that would be key. Mm -hmm. the, yeah, the main one being body size. Yeah. I think that one's the, that's so dangerous. It's such a small saying, percentage like, of people with eating disorders that even reach a malnourished mal mal state. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was, I was normal. I, yeah. I tell this all the time. Like, my BMI was in the normal range mm -hmm. when I was taken into the hospital and put me in a wheelchair and hooked me up to a heart machine and everything. My BMI was normal. Yep. And I'd been starving myself for a long time. Mm -hmm. Just one month. Just not <laughs> I'm joking, it wasn't a month. Yeah, but were you in the middle of your big gymnastics meet? That's, <laughs> that's the real question. <laughs> Have you had an eating disorder if you weren't an Olympic gymnast? Oh my goodness, it's so damaging. And also, needing to reach rock bottom. Mm -hmm. That's incredibly damaging. Say more about that. Like being like, I haven't got there yet, so I don't have to go into treatment yet. And like for somebody who struggled with like alcoholism and an eating disorder, like it's prevalent in both, in both categories. You know, seeing people when I went to uh, substance abuse treatment being like, I'm not there yet. And just being like, ah, I've got a ways to go before I hit rock bottom. I'm like, dude, you don't have to get there. Right. You can just get health now. Right. Like, that's fine. Exactly. That's fine. You know, like put on the guardrails now. There's no reason to wait till you lose your family and you lose all your, you know, everything. You lose your life. Yeah. And I think if the medical community was more receptive to that, mm -hmm. that's the problem. Like, we tell people to do that, like, go get help if you send some things off. Yeah. And then we set up, like, criteria for inpatient, like... Yeah. Oh, and, yeah, and then there's separate criteria. Yeah, well, I was told to go get help. We're like, well, 
don't know, could you get worse first? Yeah, could you get worse first? Yeah, and that happens, that absolutely happens, which is so, I think it's better now than it was when I first started in mm -hmm. the eating disorder field, but I think we still got a long way to go. Yeah, I think if, if you feel something's off and I think a good step would be like an outpatient support group. Mm -hmm. Exactly. So you can just kind of get in contact with other people and, you know, talk out your issues and your problems and you might be like, huh, maybe this is it for me. You know, like there's no reason you don't have to start at inpatient treatment. Right. <laughs> you can just start seeing a therapist outpatient treatment. Exactly. You know? Well, that's a controversy in and of itself. Is What? No. Come is, on. No, no, no. Is, is um, inpatient treatment a requirement or is... Um, attending a treatment program a requirement of what of recovery and i huh? feel like okay so Am like, I, did i miss something no 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 um there's 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 controversy in certain cases where um you know like for example like like family-based therapy you know okay people a lot of times recover at home okay and there was there was controversy there about is are people allowed to do it without going to a treatment center. Like, where does recovery come from? Is it because professionals told you how to recover? Or is it, you know what I mean? Okay, yeah, yeah. yeah. And I think, it, I mean, I think a similar um, thing exists within like, the substance use world where it's like, can you just go to AA or can you go to like treatment? And it, I mean, I think like- Like that sounds like just like this gatekeeping. Kind of, yeah. Right, if I, have you been diagnosed? Right, exactly. If you didn't have a professional diagnosis, you don't have it. I was, I was, I was over there. Yeah. When I, when I first started years and years ago, I was, well, they don't have a diagnosis, so maybe they don't have an eating disorder. Oh yeah. But my mind has changed. Definitely. Obviously, like I've changed a lot in recognizing that and recognizing I was definitely wrong mm -hmm. in saying you don't have to have a diagnosis to have an eating disorder. Exactly. So. And I, I think the, this topic comes up a lot like in my work with, with the Joy Project, just because we are a community-based, like free service. Um, and we tend to get a lot of people who don't have access to treatment programs saying, I don't have access to a treatment program. Does that mean I can't recover? Mm -hmm. and, and my answer to that is always like, if you have access to a treatment program, please do that. It, like the, the analogy I use is like, if, if you had to get like through a jungle you can you can find your way there you can i mean you can you can make some attempts you can kind of you know look for the sun you can like you know, yeah. do your best but if you had an option to have a guide on your trip who knows the jungle who's like here I can, you go I can here's, the compass, yeah. here's the map this is where you want to go take that take that you know but at the same time like if that's not available to you like don't just stand where you are like mm -hmm. you can still make some progress you know, like as best as you can. Oh, I'm, I can be a wallower. <laughs> like, <clears throat> I'm definitely somebody like who would sit there for a few days and be like, mm, I don't want to go and do this. I don't want to. And then like after a while, like I'd lose some time and then I'd be like, ah, oh, fine. I guess nobody's coming to get me. I've been sitting here for a while. <sighs> All right, I guess I got to do this now. Yep. Like I'm not somebody like you're probably somebody who would be like, "Well, time to get up and go." <laughs> and I'd be like, I'd be like, um. Because I definitely went through when I wasn't able to get treatment at the time that I was really struggling, and and I did definitely go through that phase of, well, if nobody thinks I'm worth giving treatment to, yeah, then, then I shouldn't even try. Whatever. You know, and which which then led to me just getting really, really pissed off and feeling like the injustice of it all, and then mm -hmm. I was, like, recovering out of spite, really. <laughs> like, screw you guys. Like, <laughs> I'm gonna do my own We're thing fans now. of the spite recovery. I know. <laughs> hey, I recommend it. It works for me. You know, I mean, a lot of people underestimate the power of anger that is focused focused in the right direction. If it gets you to eat, you yeah. know, if it gets you fed, exactly. and then you can start working on other stuff, 
Yeah. Well, and it usually kind of alerts you to what matters. You know, like, mm. like anger comes up when there there's something wrong. You know, like you feel a sense of injustice. You feel like your boundaries were violated, which then tells you where your boundaries are. Yep. And, and tells you what matters and what your values are. And that's when, if you embrace that and like... I like that. Claim your values and start living according to your values. That's when recovery starts to happen. So I think people do themselves a disservice when they go into recovery wanting it to be like yoga and flowers and, you know, like mm -hmm. calm and fluffy. Yeah, recognizing there's hard work to be done. There's going to be some tears. Exactly. And, th and that might be a good thing. Yeah, like, I, need I needed that. It would cause some mayhem. That was good for me. So I guess that's how, that's how they get it wrong. Yeah. That's how these movies don't do it right. Exactly. Well, they also sort of portray treatment as like something that's done to you. you oh, know? like you're not an active participant in yeah. it. Yeah. Like, like all of a sudden your, your parents are feeding you from a bottle, you know? Oh. Which is just like. So all of a sudden you just don't have any control. Right. Then all of a sudden you're an infant again. Oh. You know, which isn't. That isn't recovery. I mean, don't get me wrong. Like, there might be situations where, like, you do just have to, like, let people help you. Mm -hmm. But, like, the long-term recovery comes when you claim it for yourself. Yes. Yeah. Oh, it's tough. But worth it. Yeah. Someday there might be a decent movie. Hopefully. I feel like they're, like, slowly getting better. So before, <clears throat> before we end, we need to make some casting decisions. Right. Okay. We need uh, a man or a woman yeah. to play our... Or non-binary. Okay. Because, I mean, like the, the trans and non-binary community actually have a, a very strong rate of eating disorders. For, That's true. For a lot of different reasons. So they would definitely be represented. That may be the way to go. Yeah. I mean, I feel like if you're going to cast an eating disorder... Because I don't feel like it would be tokenism either because no, there's certainly, like, overrepresented. Yeah. Like, the... In, in treatment centers and stuff, so... Really high. That would, that, would be, that would be a wonderful casting decision. Yeah. Okay, then we need a... Um, I don't know a lot of trans actors, so I'm out for that. Yeah. I'm sorry. Hmm. But we could definitely cast the uh, the nurse and the psychologist well, if and, you want. And maybe, you know, these days we could actually have nurses and treatment people that have recovered themselves. Oh. Because that happens. Even though, historically, like, That's they true. were not allowed to talk about it in a lot of treatment programs. You know, there's still a lot of treatment programs who are like, well, if you had one, just keep it to yourself. Mm -hmm. You know, and it, I mean, there's a lot of controversy and reasons behind that but interesting so they're getting more they're getting like therapists and dietitians and stuff who've had yeah. eating disorders in the past are more open to disclosing that if they've had one yeah and saying that yeah because i know of i mean I, I could i'm not going to name treatment centers but i could name several that like if if the therapist had ever had eating disorders they were asked not to say so oh is it emily program I'm not gonna. Oh, okay. I'm not gonna say. I don't. I can't tell. I can't tell. I can't tell from your look either if that was it or if it was Melrose. I'm no, you're not giving anything away. I'm not gonna say. Damn. Uh, all right. I the fifth, uh, the one, so. Plus, I also don't know what their current status is. So I oh yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah, that makes sense then. Yeah, I just know it was a thing in the past. Yeah. That'd be good. I think. Hmm. Well, I think telling the story of a person with an eating disorder, and of course, there's, I mean, there's, there's a lot of diversity and a lot of diverse experience, but I feel like one of the underlying threads that goes through, I'd say like 95% of people with eating disorders is that they have a sense of not being able to be who they really are or like not having power or not having like, you know, or just, yeah. they, they have, they live in an environment where they feel like they're misunderstood. They always get that wrong in the movies. Yeah. It's always about wanting a different body. Right? They never do the deep work. Exactly. That's, I always feel like that's the, upsetting. The body's like the decoy issue. Yeah. I mean? It's like the thing you can focus on because otherwise everything else just feels hopeless. 
Yeah, it's a good decoy because there's a lot of stuff there. Oh yeah, and you can do you know math problems and like plans and all kinds of things. Yeah, it'll mm. keep you occupied for well years. Well, I think that's it. Yeah, we do okay. I think so. So lifetime movies not accurate is the takeaway. Although they're so incredibly dramatic. I mean, it's kind of like you know the the hallmark. Christmas I, romance movie. You know what? I yeah. would be fine if there was like an ancillary character who was going through eating disorder treatment. Yeah. I'd be good with that. Give me a normal like Christmas Lifetime movie and just give me like a side character who says, Yeah. I'm okay. sorry, yeah, I just got an eating disorder treatment. Yeah. Or something. Like just give me a throwaway line that says eating disorder treatment yep. in a movie. Exactly. I'd be happy. I'd be happy. I'd be like, this is awesome. Like people meeting up. Now let's Friday take the next step. Like, yeah. <laughs> they, exactly. they would give me an inch and I would want a mile. 100%. Yeah. But yeah, something like that. Like, it's a, yeah, a side character is just like normal. Like, just to normalize it. Exactly. It wouldn't Which, even have to be know, a whole movie. Size diversity too. You know, like yeah. these days, like now when we do have larger body characters, it's almost always like, look at this large person living their large life in their large body. You know so I mean? brave. Where it should just be like, here's this person. And they happen to have a large body. Anyway, you know, mm -hmm. they also are a person. Yeah. Outside of that. Do we not watch enough? If you know of a show that's doing this, let us know. Yeah. We don't watch everything. I definitely don't watch everything. Well, I'm watching more now that The Office isn't on Netflix. Rest in peace. Joy just not, not, not into it yeah. at all. It's too slow. <laughs> it doesn't play well with my ADD, I think. So if there, yeah, so I mean, if there's a show that does this or does it well, we'd, we'd love to see it. And uh, yeah, so get in touch with us. Uh, eating Disorders Off Topic on Facebook, edofftopic at gmail.com. And um, we're also it. open to other um, topic ideas too. Yeah, it's definitely. Yeah, open to other topic ideas, uh, message suggestions. Uh, we want to thank our great audio producer Brianne Dunn for doing a lot of this legwork for us she's wonderful and uh, yeah if you're looking for a producer get in contact with her so we love what she's doing with our uh, with our work so thank you very much for listening and we will be back soon with another episode take care